This is a Hoff Studios podcast. Hi, Dom. Thanks for being here today. How are you? I'm good, Danielle. How are you? I'm great. Where are you at in the world? I am in beautiful Laguna Beach right now. Awesome. Is that where you live? Yeah, I moved back. I was on the East Coast for five years and moved back last year. Awesome. I'm from Cali. I'm from NorCal, San Francisco area. Yeah. yeah, I love it. So for everybody listening, I just want to give them an introduction so they know a little bit of your background and who you are. You are Dom Farnan, CEO, Chief Conscious Connector. People call you Dom. Um, you have been in your industry for over 20 years, and you are a fearless leader in high-growth settings, blending entrepreneurship, advocacy in each of your roles, whether you're recruiting talents for titans like Snapchat, Snapchat, Instacart, or injecting joy into team meetings through sound and dance, the first thing people notice about you is the profound intentionality behind your actions. You bring radical change to the talent industry through the application of mindfulness, generosity of spirit, and a sense of compassion that values relationship and building or relationship building. So you currently channel your expertise into dot connect. The Conscious Connection Agency you founded in 2011, DotConnect's first year in business, you scaled the company to $3 million. So DotConnect was honored to be included in the Inc. 5000 list of the fastest growing private companies in the country. You also founded Dose Connect, a first-of-its-kind talent company solely focused on psychedelic therapeutics, blending organizational strategies, systems thinking, and talent acquisition, acquisition grounded in conscious connection. Dose Connect is built to help companies in the space scale hypergrowth, working directly with founders, visionaries, high-level operators, and the team at Dot. Dose Connect helps companies with everything from human resource systems and compliance to growth, culture, transformation. I want to dig in. I want to talk about more about how you grew up fast. We have a really similar background in that way Um, and how you got here to these amazing accomplishments and, and all the good things. So Dom, tell me about leaving home at 17. Yeah. So, um, I remember when I was like 10 years old and I couldn't wait to get my driver's license and I had a calendar and I was like counting the days down from 10 to 16 to, to get there. I really wanted to be independent and be an adult. Um, and so I was living at home when I was 17. I had a much older boyfriend at the time and my parents weren't too excited about that. So, um, I didn't move far from home. My dad, we lived in Newport. We had a condo and my dad bought another one around the corner. So I really moved like around the corner, but I had that separation and space and I had some roommates and managed the property a bit for him, but it felt good to be out and, you know, having to pay rent and having to kind of take care of myself. I think that's also what sparked me being um, introduced and initiated into corporate and finding a real job pretty quickly thereafter I moved out. So what happened? You went from living, you went from graduating high school at 17. I graduated high school at 16 years old. That's like wild to even think about looking back. 
I was 16 turning 17 that summer and I left. Mine wasn't as um, wrapped up and pretty as like moving into corporate. I went to Savannah College of Art and Design where I quickly failed out, also didn't have enough money. It was just, I was a hot mess. But I remember the drive of being 14, 15, 16 and just being like, I need to get out of this small town and I need to be on my own. I was fiercely independent and wildly optimistic about the world. And so I was just out of there. So I really resonate with that. So what happened after you moved out and how did you get into corporate? Because I imagine that like a 17-year-old, 18-year-old, it's not like I'm going to jump into corporate America. So it must have been some sort of fate that brought you there. I had this, when I was living at my parents' house, we had this neighbor, a set of neighbors. Um, They were young guys, probably in their mid-20s. And Uh, my dad befriended one of them and said, Hey, my daughter's graduating high school early. She works at a pizza place, but she wants to get some life experience. Like, can you use her in any way at your company? And at the time the young guys worked at a building products company. And so he's like, yeah, sure. Like I'll hire her as my marketing intern paid me 10 bucks an hour. I work from home. I did whatever they needed me to do. And that was anything from like creating slide decks to picking up, you know, the dry cleaning to, making sure the company car was ready for events, whatever I needed to do. And so at the end of my internship, it was about six months. And during that time, I I actually ended up graduating. So I was done with school in January of the school year, like technically, but then my class graduated in June. So I had about six months of like nothing to do. That's when I did the marketing internship. My boss's name was Robert. And at the end of that, when I graduated officially in June, He's like, I don't need you anymore, but go down to HR and talk to them and see what they have for you. Because I'm like, well, I really want to stay working in this type of job. I don't want to go back to the pizza place. It's just not my vibe anymore. (laughs) And so um, in speaking with the VP of HR, he's like, I'm hiring recruiters and we're going to build out this whole sales team. And I had no idea what that even meant, but I was like, all right, that sounds cool. Let's do it. So he's like, okay, cool. I'll hire you. We'll teach you everything you need to know. I have a very senior team. You'll be the most junior entry level, you need to stay in school. So I want you to continue to go to college. You have to work at the office every day, you know, eight to five or whatever is. And then Fridays you can work from home as long as you're in school. That way it can give you time to do your homework and whatever. So that's what I did. So I went to the office every day. I was really excited. I had a little cubicle. I felt really cool. Um, this was pre <laughs> like pre laptop days and, you know, pre work cell phone days. So went to work. I worked my ass off and then I left and I went and, you know, lived my life, saw my boyfriend, whatever, did did my thing. And, and I think from there, I just didn't really ever look back. I just always had some level of a corporate job until, um, I got excited about being exposed to a lot of different companies. So I worked with that same boss and that same team at a few different companies over the course of like five to seven years. And then after that, and I followed them around to different companies, I felt like I wanted to be exposed to different things. So I was inspired by a mentor of mine who ran a consulting business and worked with a lot of different places. I'm like, oh, that's, that's so exciting. Like I, I got bored after a while, just focusing on one type of role or one type of industry. And so I left my corporate job, joined her in consulting. I was also the youngest person on her team. I think I was 22 she's funny because she's kind of woo woo. She's still my, like, I call her my fairy godmother. Her name's Iris. And, um, 
I'm like, okay, Iris, I really want to work for you. She's like, I'm never hiring anybody that's 22. That's just not going to happen. But I pulled your chart and it looks like it's in the cards for us. And you'd be a great employee based on like your chart. So I'm oh, hiring you. Oh my you. God, I love her. <laughs> it was so good. And it worked out. Like I worked with her for 10 years. And at the same time, I also was expanding my network. So, you know, I left these corporate jobs and my old bosses would call me and give me work. So I had my own level of clients coming through in addition to the work that I had from her. And that's what led me to eventually really building my business. And so what were you doing for, were you doing recruiting and sales still? Yeah. So I was still just recruiting. And when I work with Iris, she would go get all the sales and then farm out all the work to her team. And there was about 30 of us at the time. Um, I also had the opportunity to work with really amazing senior level consultants and kind of taught me everything I know. It's funny. The first day I work with Iris, I still have memories of it because she's like, okay, well, I'm going to call you at 8 a.m. Eastern. I lived on the West Coast. I'm like, oh, okay. Can we do it later? She's like, no, I'm going to call you at 8 a.m. Eastern. You better be ready. I'm going to train you. And then that was kind of the vibe. Like it was very, very hardcore, intense, a lot of accountability, but a lot of autonomy. Um, And there were times when it wasn't easy. She was a really hard, hard ass boss to work with. Um, and I think I picked some of that up early days of me leading my team. Uh, and that's some of the things now that I try and balance. Like, I think you can still be conscious and be a kind, effective, high performance driven leader without having to, uh, be, you know, as maybe direct as she was or as, as hard on people as she was. And so when you were 22 years old, did you have a vision of what like your, your goal with this career was? I mean, what were you, I I only imagine like me at 22, I had no up from down. It's taken, I'm a late bloomer in career. I'm a late bloomer when it comes to really learning what it is that I want. Like I've had so many visions in my life. That's not true. That's not that I'm a late bloomer. I've had a lot of ideas about what I wanted and they weren't really my soul's calling. And I've quickly just like taken them off like a coat. So I've tried on a lot of careers. You have been in this industry for 20 years at, and you started at 22 and you've evolved obviously because we all evolved so much since we're 22 to our age. How did that influence what you wanted and how did you perceive it at 22? Like, I want to be in this. I want to have my own company. What did that look like? What was your state of mind? Yeah, it was, it was interesting. So at 22, I moved from California to Wisconsin for a year. My boss told me Wisconsin was like Chicago. I don't know how, how he pulled that off, but it was not like Chicago. (laughs) I got there. It was freezing cold. It was very quiet and not like a city vibe. Um, but I spent a lot of time working with the executives at the site that I was hiring for. And I call that like my mini working MBA. So I partnered really closely with the GM that was there. I hired hundreds of people. I was leading interview training and hiring manager engagement training all the time. And I was there and I was young. I mean, at one point he had to hire me an assistant. Her name was Dawn. So we have Dom and Dawn and we were the dream team out there, but in my mind, my, my vision was to be a head of recruiting for a global company. 
I never thought I'd get married. I thought I'd just be a badass executive woman who had an apartment in every city, traveled all the time, no kids, like living the high life, um, making tons of money. And that was what I thought. Um, but I didn't last long in Wisconsin. I was there about a year. And then I called my boss and was like, yeah, I'm done with that. It's too cold. Got to get back to the beach. Got to get back to California. When I got back to California, it was the summertime. It was July. And then I met my now husband in November of that year. So I had like a fun kind of party summer coming back and just being young, still working in my corporate job. Um, but then when I met my husband, he was so different than anyone I'd ever dated. And in my mind, he was really different than my first boyfriend. And he was so different than um, people I had been with. He was just nice. And it was like a brush, breath of fresh air. He's Aussie. So that also worked in his favor that he had a, a hot sounding accent. Um, and then mm -hmm. that kind of changed my goals a bit. Cause I think at that time, you know, I was really stuck on whatever I wanted to be in corporate. Then I'm like, maybe I still want to do that, but maybe I can see myself getting married. I can see myself having a family. I can see um, those goals shifting a little bit. And so you met him when you were like 24, you guys got married really young. Yeah. I met him when I was 23. We got married when I was, uh, we got married. We were together five years before we got married. And then a year after we got married, I got pregnant. So it was really, really fast. Wow. Wild. And so how did you end up getting to the place where you created dot connect your own company? Yeah. So I just, you know, was working with Iris and then I just started getting hit up by former bosses and former team members and former peers that were now leaders in recruiting in corporate that wanted to hire me. So I started collecting clients. And when I work with Iris, the first thing she made me do was set up my LLC. I couldn't work with her unless I had my own business set up and she would teach me what that meant, how to run it, yada, yada. So I came up with that name. I was thinking, I was like, okay, maybe it's Dom. You know, at the time my name was Vigil, Dom Vigil Consulting, whatever it was. That didn't sound like it resonated with me. And I really wanted a way to honor my grandmother. So Dot Connect is her first name and middle name combined because her name was Dorothy and we called her Dottie. And then her middle name was Constance. And so that just worked. And as it evolved, wow. it even worked and made a lot of sense for what we do. And we connect the dots. We connect wow. people. Like it all kind of made sense. Totally. So I, now that I'm on my spiritual journey, I'm always like, this was so meant to be. And grandma like wanted this to happen. And so. Totally. Totally. That's wild. Okay. So you founded Dot Connect. And how old were you when you founded this company? Oh, probably 38 now. So yeah, like 26, 27. Wow. The wild. You're so young. I'm 38 also. And I also lived in Wisconsin for a period of time and it is not like Chicago. Oh my God. So many parallels. Very tiny and very yeah. cold. <laughs> it's a very small town. So fast forward, how long, so you're, you have dot connect. It's obviously immensely successful it has a rapid rate of growth. Um, what was that like building that. It sounds like it was serendipitous. It sounded like it was just out of necessity. It was all of your hard work paying off. People were coming to you. Iris said, 
you have to create your own company for me to work with you. She was such a beautiful mentor, it sounds like. And so you've created this company. Now it's underneath you and you're running it. And how long before, like, what was that experience like? And how long before it was till you had to do something different to like the stress of that caught up with you? And like, also you're a new mom, right? During this time. So what was that like? Yeah. When I, when I first had thought it was just me. So I was a solopreneur for a long time and I had odds and ends like friends who wanted to learn recruiting that maybe part-time work for me or moonlit work for me while they had other corporate jobs. Um, and so I really didn't hire my team and truly step into true leadership until 2019. So from 2011 until 2019, it was like, solopreneur, maybe part-time people here and there, but I had a lot of clients myself and I would just bury myself in being busy. So I was constantly on the phone working 24, seven, 365, no days off, no um, breaks, nothing. And as a new mom, even because I was a consultant, I had no maternity leave. So I had my baby on Wednesday morning and I was back on conference calls by Friday and like checking emails. And I just didn't have the luxury to take any downtime or not be billable, not be paid at the time I was billable hours. So it was really challenging. Um, and you know, it ebbed and flows. There were years when I was super busy and there were years where maybe I was not as busy, but generally it was like pretty solid for the first eight years. And then in 2019, I decided to go all in and really step into leadership, hire people, you know, on the team full time that could support the clients that I had. And it was scary because I thought all the clients only loved me. And I was scared if I came out to them and said I had a team and it wasn't me, but it was, you know, people I trained and hired that, you know, they would work with us. And I didn't know if the clients would be into it, but they all were, they were like, yeah, sure. I didn't even know you had a team. Perfect. More of you. Great. Let's, let's do this. Um, and so it was exciting, but um, it was really challenging because I had never managed people before. So, you know, I walked into going from just managing myself and always being the best or a great recruiter and only having to worry about myself to then worrying about the quality of other people's work that I had vouched for and worrying about the quality of other people's values and making sure that they're showing up in alignment with what we promised the market. There was a lot of hard lessons to learn. There was a lot of people that I hired quickly that we're not the right fit and we're not representing the company or the brand well. And so it's challenging that first year. Um, second year, then it was COVID. So we were like, finally got our wow. shit together at the end of 2019 and we felt good about our team. And then it was COVID and we had like 15 people, a tiny SBA loan, whatever smidge of work we had to share. And then it was 2021 and it was like double busy than we've ever experienced in 2022 beginning same thing. And now we're in this interesting place of a lot of the companies and clients we support are technology businesses that overhired a lot and now aren't hiring. So I'm back into a contraction mode where my team of over a hundred last year is now about 25, 30. And then I have a roster of a short list of people that I want to bring back once we get busy again, which is a really beautiful thing because it's probably like my dream team, 50 people, and that's it. It's not 
the hundred people that we had. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's it's created a lot of space for me right now to really think through what is the next, you know, three to five years look like for DOT, for DOSE and for myself. Yeah. And I want to get into to what DOSE is and your spiritual awakening and everything. But I think it's something really beautiful that you pointed out is like this, you know, this idea of expansion and contraction. And so much, I think, in career and entrepreneurship and in society, we think growth is linear and we think it's, you know, exponential and that is always going to keep coming. But in reality, we know through sacred geometry and we know through the ebbs and flows of the ocean that things expand and contract. And I think it's so important to to mend your ships, so to speak, for business and for life, to understand the expansion and contraction and to really be able to to ride those waves and understand what the value of those lessons are, right? And not just to be continually expecting growth because growth is not linear. Growth is yeah. not just in the numbers in your business. Growth is in the consciousness of your individual spirit. Yeah. It's in the growth of your family. It's in the growth in your leadership. It's in the growth in the quality of your people. As you said, you know, you don't need to bring a hundred people back to experience yeah. growth in the next round. You can bring 50 people back and yeah. do a higher quality growth. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about that. Cause I know that, you know, I've heard another podcast you were on and we we've, we've tried to meet up and I've heard some of your story and we have mutual friends. And I know that you worked with Gerard, um, Adams and I did as well. And so now you've really stepped into the space of being a leader in being a leader in conscious leadership as a very successful um, CEO and founder. And so now you're really leading this conversation of conscious leadership, right? So how did that spiritual awakening, how and when did your spiritual awakening happen? What was that like? Tell me all the dirty details of the dark night of the soul and let's Let's give people an understanding of the story and how you've arrived here. And we'll talk about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's good timing because I've been thinking about it a lot. Being in this energy that I'm in now of contraction in the business feels similar to 2020, but different for so many reasons. So, you know, the similarity is that the work just fell off. Like people aren't hiring and it just kind of full stopped. But the difference is where I feel mentally just so much more stable and secure and solid and not worried and, you know, leaning a lot on faith, which I never even thought I would say. So for me, my spiritual awakening came in 2020 is probably middle of the year. So around June, um, beginning of the year before the lockdowns, we were like, on track to do a $10 million in revenue. That was our target. And we were confident we were going to hit that that year. And then everything stopped, the world shut down. And what went from like crazy busy meeting filled days, I got, I had nothing on my calendar and I was sitting in my house in New Jersey. And I usually was traveling a lot and I was always out with clients and with my team. So to be stuck home with my husband and my son, I'm like, uh, okay, what How do I do? I don't know. He's nine. And so he was, you know, six at the time. And I think in kindergarten, five or six. And I was just like, I don't even know what the hell to do. I don't even know like how to be here in this family dynamic. Cause usually I'm like always on the road doing my thing, 
not really present here. And so I was really all out of sorts, super depressed, drinking a lot, doing drugs, not feeling great. Um, and I, I had an awakening, I guess, one night or one morning where I was like, I can't do this anymore. I cannot feel like this. I'm like sick of my own shit. And I, I had had it with myself. I'm like, get your ass out of bed. Like enough is enough. Um, but I didn't really know what to do. So the same time I was scrolling Instagram, following my friend, Kevin, who lived in California, who's really successful real estate broker. And he kept posting all of these chats he was having with his coach, Angie. And I'm like, Hmm, he seems really upbeat for like the world being locked down and him not being able to sell houses and all of that. So maybe, maybe coaching is something I should look into. So I hit up Angie wanted to work with her. We connected and then that started my journey. But what really deepened it uh, the following year in 2021 was when I met Gerard. And so when I, when I got introduced to Conscious Leaders Mastermind and now Leaders Create Leaders, his community, I went to one of their events in Tulum. I had a really spiritual um, breathwork session where I reconnected with my grandma's spirit and saw heaven and like all these amazing things. And I was just like sobbing, but it was so beautiful. Um, and I met this whole different vibe of people and friend group that I had never even knew existed. I'm like, where have you people been all my life? This is amazing. Um, and, and the then clientele I- he works with are people that are doing big things in the world. They're people much like yourself who have real careers and real real businesses who are making big impact. And so it's not just going on a spiritual retreat. It's going on a spiritual retreat with impact in mind and, and with people like, like minded. So yeah, yeah, it it was next level. I mean, it blew me wide open. And from there, that point, I just got really deep into what is conscious leadership? What is conscious business? Um, leveraged a lot of different coaches, joined a lot of different communities as well, in addition to continuing to work with Gerard and team. Um, and then last year, 2022, I joined his higher level mastermind that was smaller called One Infinity. And that was, you know, a very different experience, smaller container, deeper inner work. So a lot to do with leadership and business, but really introspective. So there was plant medicine involved and I was super curious. And initially that first year in 2021, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Like I'll, I'll explore. And I had done a couple of psilocybin journeys with a coach and a friend of mine in Costa Rica, but I wasn't going too deep. And then I remember we had Gerard had a retreat in Tahoe and I saw Brandon Collinsworth who runs warrior retreats. And I said, you know what? I think I'm curious I want to try ayahuasca. I think I'm ready. He goes, girl, you're ready. If that's, if you heard the call, like, yes, explore and go deeper. I'm like, okay, I don't know when, but I'm just putting it out there to the world that I think I'm ready. And then, you know, fast forward six months later in April last year, I went down with Brandon. He was part of our group um, and was able to experience ayahuasca. And that really shifted a lot for me. Um, And then last year was just a year of being open to all the different things and trying all the things and seeing what resonated and what didn't. And it's, it's just interesting because 
it, I, I feel like I jammed a lot of a lot of stuff and a lot of different experiences with plant medicine into a short period of time. And this year is very much my like integration and my reflection. And I traveled a lot last year, and now I'm like back in Laguna and. I'm settled here and I'm just looking forward to just being grounded here. No big international trips, none of that. And for the last month and a half, I just got back from Australia. That was kind of my last trip, but I've just been integrating so hardcore, like writing a lot, reflecting a lot and feeling just differently, feeling differently in my energy, feeling differently in my intuition, actually being able to hear my self and hear my guides and, you know, last year there was so much going on. It was so beautiful, but there was a lot of distraction in the inner work that I was doing. And now that I'm home, I'm just like in my groove and I was reflecting on it this morning, like, you know, breaking the habit of being yourself, right? Dr. Joe and rewiring your thoughts and your patterns. And I feel this morning, I'm like, Hmm, I feel a little rewired. Like, I feel like I'm just doing so many different things than I ever did before. And I hadn't realized that until like now when I'm home and my routine and my routine so different. Yeah. And what was Dom like before? What was your, your routines and that, that feeling of like when you were in that place of binging on alcohol and using drugs and being a mom, but running a business and feeling that stress, what was it like for people to be around you? How did they experience you before? Yeah, I think that they were scared and didn't know which version of me they would get. And a friend of mine literally said that to me yesterday because I had to have a hard conversation with someone on my team. And she's like, well, yeah, I mean, of course, he still knows you from a few years ago and he just doesn't know like what version of you he would get. And I was like, huh, that's an interesting reflection because I've also been on this journey now for a little while. And I would hope that what he feels he would get is reflected in who I be, like who I am being every single day has really changed. At least I feel like it's changed. Um, But, you know, I have had to rebuild and repair relationships. I've had to take ownership over my toxicity and my bad behavior. I was, I would say I was like low vibe and negative and, always super high, like high performance and driven direct type a Enneagram one reformer, like trying to change the world, like hard ass. But I don't think I was always received in a way that was embraced by people. I think they were intimidated, scared, felt demeaned, felt like walking on eggshells, didn't feel accepted. Um, And so for for me to see what has evolved in the last few years while I've been going through this dark night of the soul and what's transpired with my team. And then to make it on Inc 5,000 amidst all of this um, and to hear like the beautiful things that my team will say about each other or our company or me, I'm just like blown away and so grateful for the work because all of that work has contributed to creating this environment that people actually want to be in now. And it's a beautiful reflection. And the people who've been with me the longest will say like, oh, it's so different or you're so different than you were. And I can tell in your energy. So it's not even like choice of language. Part of it is, but it's like the way that they feel when they're in my presence. Yeah. You create safety now. You create a sense of safety and trust. 
sounds like. Um, it's interesting. You talk about like last year was so, you know, you were in it and you were in the work and you were doing the plant ceremonies and you were in the coaching and, um, but it was distracting and you can't really see the progress you make in those times. I've done over 140 plant ceremonies and I did most of them in the span of two years. Yeah. It's wild. And, um, and back then this was in 2012, 10 years 10 years ago, most, most of them. And, um, back then people didn't really talk about integration. People didn't talk about embodiment. Mm -hmm. And even if people did talk about the word embodiment, of course, in these circles that I was in, there was a lot of yoga teachers and healers and Reiki practitioners. You know, I think back at who was there and they were there, but there wasn't as much information as there is now on psychedelics. Mm Mm-hmm about and and the science behind it, as well as the regular conversation of like, okay, we're going to go do these plant medicines. We're going to reclaim what it is that we need to reclaim. We're going to let go of what it is that we need to let go of. And then you actually have to implement it in your life. And so I was doing a plant ceremony almost every weekend for several years. And like I said, these people could have been talking about integration around me, but it wasn't the main part of the conversation. It was a felt environment. It was a loving environment. It was a community, but it wasn't as educated and articulate as it is now. And there wasn't people in the space educating and articulating. And so that's why I've become such an advocate and an educator because I put things in very practical terms. Nobody was doing that for me. I think I lost a lot of juice in that. Like I did all these plant ceremonies, but I can't really articulate a lot of what I went through back then. There was definitely these huge, I would say these pivotal ceremonies that I can remember and recall, but there's others that were just kind of a wash. I mean, there was others I came straight from a drinking binge going right into an ayahuasca ceremony. And I don't really know. I don't know. Like it was totally tainted ceremony. So of course the medicine is in you and it works within your DNA and it unfolds as it will. Um, but, and then I became a yoga teacher So I did all these plant ceremonies and then I got into, I met my fiance, Gabe. He was kind of like, you're a junkie. Why do you do all these like plant (laughs) ceremonies? Like you're not like doing the work. And I was like, I don't know what the work is. I just do plant ceremonies. I'm like psychedelic queen. What are you talking about? Yeah. And so he kind of put me onto the notion that like you actually have to implement the stuff in your life. Otherwise you're just kind of a junkie, an addiction of another sort. And I was like, oh, I guess you're right. So I ended up, um, About a year from meeting him, I became a yoga teacher and I really got into embodiment practices and breath work and meditation. And, but looking back at all of that, it's like, it really does take like a full year to embody so many habits. Like you can't change the whole trajectory of your life in one ayahuasca setting. Yeah, You can change the entire perspective of your life in one setting and turn the peg or turn the cog, so to speak, and it will eventually change the trajectory, but it's not going to look different from one day to the next. Yeah. And so it's really beautiful that you're like here now about a year in year plus into this and like at home for six weeks grounded in your space and going like, oh, wow. Like, look at how my entire lifestyle has changed. Right. Yeah. I mean, after ayahuasca last year, I felt so amazing 
but I came home and I was binge drinking. I was like on cloud nine telling everybody about it, but drinking so much, just like, this is so amazing. I have no, you know, trauma, but then drinking. And then I, and then I did that for like three or four months until finally I'm like, whoa, okay. Like, let's rewind. Like what, like there was a lot of even just bypassing of things that did come up. Um, and it wasn't till like really when I landed in Australia as like my final trip of the year, I went in a week early just to be by myself to like sit, to sit and let everything settle, to not drink, to get in my exercise routine, to write and like be with myself. And that helped so much because that's fast forward now into my new habits and I'm not drinking and I'm really loving that I'm like, Oh my gosh, am I like now not a drinker? Like, okay. But I'm excited about this and it's given me so much more energy. And like I said, like just being able to hear and delineate my thoughts versus my default mode network thoughts has been amazing because my default mode network is kicking in. Like you're not busy. Work's not going well. What are you going to do? Da, 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 da. And like, it's just on repeat. And finally I'm just like, okay, shut up. Like, that's not me actually. That's you. But I, feel solid. I think it's, I think we're going to be fine. Like blah, blah, blah. And I'm in this different frequency, but the lower self's just always like chatter in the background. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I really resonate with that. There's we, my fiance owns bars and restaurants. He owns like 12 plus. And during the pandemic, obviously they were all shut down for a period of time. They were all shut down. And then for a period of time for the next, um, year and a half, different ones were shut down for a certain amount of time each. Right. In Miami, we kind of opened back up after three months, but anything outside of Miami was dependent on the state and city it was in. And, um, my business actually took off. I was doing, I was only working as a life and business coach at the time. So I was seeing six clients a day, five, six days a week. I was busier than ever. Yeah. And, but I remember that sense of fear in the world, that insecurity, that sense of not understanding what was going to happen for everybody. Mm -hmm. And Gabe, my fiance, he has a huge team and a lot of people, uncertainty, that's the word I was looking for, the uncertainty mm -hmm. that was in the atmosphere, right? For everyone. And that yeah. you probably could be experiencing right now, you know, on paper, that's what other people yeah. would be experiencing. And I just remember him being on these meetings and thinking how resilient he was because he just kept telling people like, we have to trust this process yeah. and we have to become more innovative. This mm -hmm. moment is for innovation. Yep. It's for self-reflection. It's for looking outside of our businesses for validation. And that is it. And only if you only focus on those four things, then we will come out of this better than we went in. And yeah. he just kept repeating that. And that to me has become my mantra for any time uncertainty hits in my business, in my professional life, in my relationships. It's just like creativity, inner trust, looking inward, like going in and figuring out like, what is it? What calm do I need to store? Like to, yeah. what storm do I have to calm within myself? And how innovative can I get with what I have around me? And then just write it out, right? Yeah. Like that's the whole game. 
Yeah. But like, what, what gave that sense of now? Is it, is it all this plant ceremony, all the inner work? How did you arrive to this place of trust? I would say it's been both. I mean, the journeys that I was able to experience last year were so powerful and they weren't all amazing. There are some that were amazing and there were some that were so challenging and scary and dark, but that's exactly what I needed. I mean, even my arc, my Peru ceremonies, my first one was really hard. The second one was so beautiful and I was sobbing, crying and thinking in my head so much gratitude that it was really only a year prior that I was at Gerard's retreat in Tulum, April of 21. And here I am a year later in Peru, having these beautiful Icaros all around me and just like, what the, I'm just like, what? Like, this is not my life. Um, but I think, you know, a profoundly peaceful journey that really struck me was obviously my, my five MEO journey that I had uh, in end of September of last year was really powerful. I worked a bit with that medicine after, and um, that just gave me this calm, like sense of there's nothing more that I have to do or be, or, you know, I can just, I'm, I'm enough. I'm complete how I am. So that was like a couple of messages that I really needed to hear. Cause I'm, you know, being a high performer, you're always looking for the next thing and you're always like climbing that next mountain. And so, you know, I, I, I feel really, I just feel really good about all of that and the inner work for sure. My coaching, my community, and I'm so proud of my team. Like the, my team is teaching me a lot about all of this. Even the people who are on the bench that aren't being paid right now, cause we don't have any work. I'm still catching up with them and hearing their perspectives and hearing their mindset and what they're doing for themselves. I'm like blown away and so inspired by them. I just love all the different psychedelics and plant medicines. Don't you? They're just like amazing now that you've tasted <laughs> them all. Yeah. And what, what was your, what was your perception before you did these types of ceremonial and psychedelic pl- or ceremonial and plant psychedelics? Because obviously you've done drugs. You said you were experimenting or using drugs before. So like, it's funny to me because I asked this um, because I had done all these plant ceremonies. I had done those 140 plus before I had a daughter. Mm -hmm. And then after I had Samaya, I was experiencing postpartum depression for like four plus years. And I was about to go get on medications and I decided to do microdosing instead, mm-hmm. but it wasn't an easy decision. I was terrified to try microdosing psilocybin. And, um, because I was like afraid I was going to like run away or let go of all my reality. I was just afraid, right. As a mom, you have to be grounded. You have to be the parent. Yeah. You have to be the cog of the family, all these things. So I had these perceptions, right? Once I did it, it ended up being this amazing ride. I healed my depression of four years. I like broke the cycle and it's been this beautiful journey. We've actually moved into the psychedelic space and like life has transformed. But the perception I had was that I was going to somehow disassociate from my life and throw it away and run away. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of people, that are in, you know, high achieving careers, own businesses, 
or are at executive levels, they're afraid to do these plant medicines because people come away afterwards and they're like, nothing even matters. Yeah. My ego doesn't matter. I'm so happy. Like they're, I think they're yeah. afraid that they're just going to throw it all away. So what is the difference between I don't care and I'm non-attached and I feel whole and me and connected yet I still have dreams and visions. How do you find that balance? How do you still have drive yeah. once you disintegrate the ego, right? Yes, yeah, it's, it's been interesting because I have, you know, initially I did two psilocybin journeys last year before all of the ayahuasca and everything else. And I, I dabbled with that. And then I felt that initially I was like, you know, what? we're moving to Costa Rica. We're selling it all. I'm retiring. It's done. Like, um, but, but that wasn't reality. Like I, I knew that for me, I wouldn't be happy just sailing off into the sunset. I really still needed to uh, climb my next mountain of my company and continue to see what I was capable of achieving, especially with this new, um, newfound uh, energy and this newfound insight and this newfound like self worth, like all of this coming from from within instead of constantly be looking outside for validation um, through material things, but I do have a nice lifestyle and I've never been like, that's it. You know, it's all going away, but I will say a really big aha is like, we're moving house in Laguna beach to not the big house on the hill that we have now, but down in the village where I didn't say I ever wanted to live. I might get rid of my car. I want to walk everywhere. I want to be in community around people and I'm simplifying, which is so not my vibe wasn't my vibe. I was always like, I want to show the world because I have a nice house and a nice car and a nice this and that. And I, I still want those things, but in like a smaller scale that is not for the world. It's just for me. So I think, um, you know, with, the, with the people who are maybe psychedelic curious or the corporate people who were like me and I was a hard no on any of that, like I would dabbled with other things, but I was never like mushrooms and this and that, like that was not for me, I was really scared to your point of like disassociating and like not feeling who I was anymore. Um, you know, go, go low and, you know, start slow and go low kind of thing. Like maybe try it out and see how you feel. But I also think it's just so, it's just so heart opening. You don't even have to do psychedelics. Just go do some breath work and like really feel your, feel yourself. You know, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. But you can get to those levels of consciousness and awareness without even going down that path. If you don't want to. Yeah. And so tell me about, um, dose connect while we're on the psychedelic yeah. track. What's, what is that vision? Yeah. So dose came to me in integration after my first five MEO journey last September. Um, and it came in hot. So I did five MEO on a Tuesday by Thursday, I was messaging with Erica, my COO, and she's like, I'm going to this conference and it's the psychedelic thing. And I'm like, why are we not recruiting and working with people in psychedelics? Like we both are now totally aligned. We love it. And, and I looked at the website and there's like a hundred plus companies in that industry. I was like, I didn't even know there was an industry for this because it was so not on my radar. And then I came up with the name. I'm like, Dose Connect, boom, it's done. Trademark, registered, went to Wonderland and felt very aligned. And I'm a sacral authority in human design. So it was a full like yes in my body that this was for us. 
And the intention with it is really to partner with these, you know, early stage innovation, innovator, founders, visionaries, whoever they are, who are in that space, who want to bring and amplify healing. So what's most exciting to me about working with psychedelics isn't always the journey and the experience of being on a trip doing the psychedelics. It's like the healing that I feel afterwards, the clarity that I have, the insights, the dynamic that has changed in my marriage and my family life, like all of that, it's brought so much richness to my existence. So if I can work with people who want to con- to do that and bring that out to the mainstream, to the masses, that's what's exciting about, about dose. And so we, we're a little different than dot in that we're working, you know, earlier with founders and like setting their visions and their values and really like getting a grasp on who they are and what they want to do. And then we want to help them find the people and do organizational design, hire the talent and build conscious cultures within their companies. Because that's the one thing, you know, the biggest lesson I've learned in life is like, you really have to be intentional about the culture that you're building when you're building a team. I had a team of however many people. And initially the first round of it without me doing any inner work was a mess. And I had to undo all of that and then rebuild. So, you know, I'm kind of like, let let me help you. And I think that there's a mistake in the psychedelic space that founders who have maybe come from other industries and had spiritual awakenings are now coming to the psychedelic industry and creating brands and creating tech. And I'm hearing in the industry through the grapevine that there are a lot of leaders in the space who are not creating conscious cultures. Mm -hmm. They're just not because they weren't just because they've had healing experiences personally, they haven't had full evolutions in leadership and how they um, build culture. And so I think it's much needed in the space. It's an amazing corner that you're standing in because just because you've had a psychedelic experience and awakening and healing does not mean that you know how to lead a psychedelic uh, company to the forefront of leadership. It's just yeah. not a reality. And a lot of people are, are these startups are leaving and there's a ton of turnover yeah. and it's a very new wild West frontier already with legality and yeah. all sorts of other you know, red tape. So much needed. Amazing. So what does rebellious, last question, what does rebellious reinvention mean to you? So I love that question. I feel like I'm, I'm living my rebellious reinvention because I feel like, um, to me, it just means like owning your story and owning everything in your life, owning where you've come from, how you've dealt with it, good, bad, or ugly, what you're doing in your own inner work. Like to me, I feel like I've never felt more myself than I have in the last like two months. And it's so strange because it's like not who I thought I was. Like I'm, I'm sitting here like in this kind of new reflection of who I thought I was. And I'm like surprising myself with all of these new decisions I'm making. Like I said, like moving to the small house, like, I'm just like, what? You're going to do that? But it feels so good. Like, huh. So maybe I think I'm like living my rebellious reinvention where I'm just stepping up into who I, who I didn't even know that I was. And you know what? That's the best way to rebelliously reinvent is by example. 
you know, being the example that we want to see in the world. It's so cliche, but it's true. It's like, we can't coach our friends. We can't mentor every employee, but you can be, you can unbecome all the bullshit that you're not meant to be. And you can make surprising and unexpected decisions that even surprise yourself. And just that will imprint and impact and expand people's perceptions of what's possible for them in such a non-quantifiable way. So that's beautiful. I love that. Thank you so much for your time. I would love to connect in the future in person next time you come to Miami or next time I'm out there. Yeah, We'll make it happen. Every week we have a reoccurring segment and I share my favorite things, tangible products to use, things to walk away with and above and beyond the inspiration of these conversations. Think, what if our breakdowns or burnouts or life's obstacles are actually spiritual awakenings? Our soul's calling on us to shift, pivot and unlock a new level. So often these dark nights of the soul are our hero's journey, part of the story that is compelling, giving our life meaning and texture. If we can learn how to enjoy this journey, leaning into the darkness, we get to extract the lessons and fold them into our purpose and journey. Stefan Edmonds says, enlightenment arrives like a thief in the middle of the dark night of the soul. I just am obsessed with that quote. Read, Conscious Leadership, Elevating Humanity Through Business by John Mackey. John Mackey is the Whole Foods CEO. He co-authors a follow-up to a groundbreaking bestseller, Conscious Capitalism. I've read both, revealing what it takes to lead a purpose-driven, sustainable business. John Mackey started a movement when he founded Whole Foods, bringing natural organic food to the masses and not only changing the market, but breaking the mold. Now for the first time, Conscious Leadership closely explores the vision, virtues, and mindsets that have informed Mackey's own leadership journey, providing a roadmap for innovative value-based leadership in business and society. Grab it here at the link in the show notes. And as always, thank you for listening to Rebellious Reinvention. Please like and subscribe this episode and share it with your friends and family who you think would love it. And let me know what you think. Have an amazing day. 